This is episode 201 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are, Stuck in your vehicle during a snowstorm, 13 things you need to do to survive, and influenza on and off the grid. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. If I started the the podcast off with bumper music, I probably would do it, start it off today with uh, Rocket Man, right, by Elton John. Uh, many of you know that uh, uh, I record the podcast, or I record the Wednesday podcast the night before, and so uh, Tuesday, the little crazy short uh, man with the bad haircut guy, whatever, Kim Jong-un, uh, set off another missile, man. And, and this one, the thing is, is that every time he does it, seems like they're getting better and bigger, and definitely they are. Uh, this time around, it actually got up to where it needed to get to. Um, I think somewhere I read that it was like 10 times the, the actual, uh, 10 times further than the other one, or higher than the other one went. This time along, uh, along the, the trajectory, they could check not only getting up into the atmosphere where it needed to get to, but being able to come back in and re-enter and, uh, you know, make sure that uh, it was able to do all that kind of stuff. And, uh, it's just, man, this guy is crazy. He won't stop. Uh, I don't know, you know. Actually, I do know, and I do know his reasoning behind it. And one of the reasons is the reasons that I know is that uh, recently someone uh, sent me a guest post for EdThatMatters.com, and sometimes the guest poster, I, like I said, I reject a lot of them uh, throughout the week. I mean, I'll get one or two a week, and it's like, nope, can't do this one, can't do this one. And uh, I'm, I'm not even trying to be polite anymore because sometimes it's just all, all they want is just to get on a website somewhere. But uh, so this one was sent to me and uh, by Centurion, and he is a legit uh, legit article. Actually, it was really long. Uh, I was sitting there editing and, and you know doing formatting and, and doing all that for uh, for the for the uh, for the website for the article. And uh, man, I was like, man, this is this is longer than my normal articles on on edthatmatters.com. But uh, he uh, provided a great resource, and of course, I mean, he didn't know that this was going on. He sent this to me uh, the last week, and uh, you know, I was formatting it and all that. And uh, the title of it is "Nuclear Attack Strategies: Knowing How They Think Is Half the Battle." And so he gives different strategies of why countries, why nations, uh, you know, look at or how they look at uh, their nuclear strategy and their weapons and, and use them as tools. And I thought it was, a, it was a great article. And so to really provide a little bit of insight as why, uh, you know, Kim Jong-un is, is kind of, you know, doing it the way that he's doing it still, uh, to me, I think that he's, you know, it's a death wish. But anyway, if you're interested in that article, eventually it's going to be posted on Prepper website because uh, I just released it today. Uh, it'll be posted on Prepper website, and then it'll also uh, we'll also read it as well. But I think it's some really great information. I'll link to it in the show notes, and you can go check it out and uh, get an early uh, glance at it. But uh, you know what? It's one of those things. Is like uh, with all the craziness that's going on in the world, all the things that you know we we pay attention to. This thing keeps you know is not going away. It keeps coming back. And so it, it, it's one of those things where 
you start to start thinking about because we are aware, we are keeping our eyes open of all the things that are out there. Uh, we got to stay aware of what's what's on the horizon as far as nuclear war. Um, you know, this guy now, I mean, General Madison, I think it was on Drudge Report, um, said that now it can uh, now he can hit anywhere in the world now. I mean, with the with the way that his uh, the missile is is going and uh, the uh, the updates that they made and the improvements in their technology now they can hit any place in the world. They might only be able to do it one time, but they can do it. And for wh whoever they hit, it's gonna suck, man. It's gonna suck big time. And so um, we gotta kind of be thinking about all that kind of stuff as well as all the other things. And how does that play? Maybe just a threat of that of North Korea. You know, how does that play? into uh, you know politics world politics and all those kinds of things uh, I think the UN or Japan and if I was Japan I'd be ticked off man because this guy he's firing off things it's going over Japan landing in the Sea of Japan and it's kind of like you know what the heck you know we're a, a sovereign nation and uh, you know why does he want to you know, why do you want to jack with us right and uh, so I think they're calling uh, an emergency meeting of the UN Security Council so who knows uh, what you know how all that's going to play out? Uh, President Trump was talking, uh, you know, uh, was talking, you know, some big talk today, and uh, you know it was all over Facebook and Twitter and all those kinds of things. So uh, who knows? One of those things to to uh, always, uh, you know, I guess that's one reason why we always stay prepped and aware. We're always paying attention to what's going on out there. So uh, man, what a way to start episode 201. Uh, hey, I would like to welcome you to the episode. If you are new, thanks for joining us. Hope you find everything you're looking for. Uh, if you're looking for even more preparedness information in uh, articles, we have tons of articles over at PrepperWebsite.com. So let's go ahead and jump right into these articles. I think they're very important, both of these uh, articles. And not so much like wilderness survival type stuff or even food storage. But I think these are very important uh, articles and information that we need to uh, to know. And I'm very, very much aware that I have a lot of listeners uh, in, in northern parts of the country uh, and even in other uh, countries in the world where you might be experiencing, you know, winter conditions and, and snow conditions. And, uh, you know, you, you got to be careful out there. I don't experience any of these types of conditions in Houston. Um, the closest I ever got is we took a trip to um, uh, Angel Fire, New Mexico. We actually, there was a couple of years in a row that we went and uh, I remember driving on some icy conditions and the car kind of spinning a little bit when we were going up one of uh, the steep uh, drives that we were, or actually it was a road to, to get to the cabin that we were staying at. And uh, that was kind of uh, crazy because I'd never experienced anything like that before. But, man, I uh, can't even imagine you guys who live up north and uh, the things that you have to think about and consider. And so that's why that's one reason why I want to uh, go ahead and, and read this article. Uh, Stuck in your vehicle during a snowstorm, 13 things you need to do to to survive. And so uh, just I want to go ahead and read this article and then there's a couple little things I just want to come back uh, at the end, things that I've read over the years uh, that I think are, are kind of important uh, or that at least I think they're important. I, again, I don't have experience in that and maybe someone who does can, can help us out a little bit. But here we go. During a snowstorm, it is possible that you will be in the ditch or stuck on the road. You might hit an icy patch and slide into the ditch. You might hit a drift in the road and become stuck. 
You might have had some confidence you can make it home, but the snow is too high and you are stranded on the road. You could be leaving work and hear that the roads will be closed at 5 p.m. The snow is piling up and you are already hearing the roads are bad. The wind started blowing and the snow is sticking to the roads now. The roads are slick and snow plows are trying to keep up, but the snow is coming down too fast. The road departments are going to pull the plows off the road pretty soon. You don't. You decide to try to get home. You have surely driven in worse weather before. You know you need to go slow and watch out for the other drivers. You get a few miles out of town and notice some cars in the ditch. You think they must have been going too fast. You keep the speed down, but you are starting to have problems seeing the road. All of a sudden, you slide around on the road and start spinning in circles. You find yourself in the ditch very quickly. Now what do you do? 1. Call for help. You should always make sure your cell phone is charged, and this is one of the reasons why. If your insurance has roadside assistance, call them and see if you can be towed. You can call 911. You can call your favorite tow truck company. You can do a Google search quickly for local towing companies. You can turn on your location setting for your phone to find the closest towing companies and any other help you might need. Number two, call a family member or a friend. You should let someone know you are in the ditch. When you are going somewhere in the winter with potential snow and ice forecasted, you should always let someone know where you are going and when you should be expected or at home. If you end up in the ditch or stuck on the road, please let someone know. They may worry about you, but someone will know that you are still alive and awaiting help. Keep an eye on the gas tank. This is winter and your gas tank should always be above half full, but sometimes that doesn't happen. You should make sure you have enough gas to keep the car running and stay warm. And I would tell you that's just good practice regardless of where you are and whether it's winter or not, keeping it half full or keeping your vehicle half full. Uh, number four, run the car at intervals to stay warm. You should run the car at 15 minute intervals to stay warm. Always crack a window when running the car to avoid any carbon monoxide poisoning due to the plugged or blocked exhaust on the car. Number five, do not leave the car unless help has arrived or just across the road. Do not try to get, get out or get help on your own unless you are very close within 200 feet to a house or farm place. You can easily get stranded in the snow if the snow is too high or you are on unfamiliar ground, risking hypothermia and frostbite. If you are in danger, use your best common sense. Leaving the car could put you at risk also. Use your hazard lights on your car to signal for help. You should keep some roadside flares in your car to signal for help also. Do not use your cell phone more than you need to. Unless you can keep it charging, charged on your phone... I'm sorry, unless you can keep charging your phone in your car without wearing down your battery or car or carry a portable charger, keep the phone use, use limited. You want to be able to keep in touch with loved ones and help. Keep some word, word search puzzle books and reading materials in the cars with you to keep you entertained and off your phone. Number eight, stay warm. Do what you can to stay warm while waiting for help. Use a blanket, keep a hat on your head, gloves on your hands, and use hand warmers and foot warmers to stay warm. Run the heat on the car for about 15 minutes on, 15 minutes off to stay warm. Keep boots in the vehicle if you are not already wearing them to keep your feet warm or warmer. Keep hydrated. 
When you leave home, you should have a full water bottle with you. Keep sipping on the water and stay hydrated. Being dehydrated can lead to bad decision making, health issues, and other problems which you cannot afford to have in a situation like this. While you may only be stranded for one to two hours, plan on being stranded for longer. Tow bans can and do occur when the weather is bad enough and travel is not advised. If you are traveling and know the roads are closed, find a place to stay in town or stay at home or work. If you are traveling on closed roads, they will not come for you until the next morning or at their convenience. You can be stranded for several hours even with no tow bans. If you do decide to travel in bad weather, fill your tank with gas, buy some bottles of water, and grab some snacks. You may need them further on down the road. Number 11. Use your vehicle emergency kit if you need to. You may need all those things or you may not need anything, but please use it. Number 12. Stay aware and be ready to defend yourself. While most people are well-meaning and want to help you, there are people who just like to prey on the helpless. While you are in a situation needing help, you are not helpless. Be ready to defend yourself against those who would do you harm and be weary of anyone you do not know. Your life could depend on it. And number 13. Do not try to dig yourself out or get yourself out of the ditch. Even with a 4x4 or all-wheel drive, you may end up getting yourself even more stuck. Snow is pretty soft and you can sink in the ditch pretty far trying to get yourself out. If you get stuck on a drift, you may be able to back off of it. However, most people are hung up on the drift because they lack the tire traction to get back off the drift. If you are stuck in snow too high, you will need to wait for the snowplow to go by and still might need a tow truck to pull you out. Either way, wait for help and have them help you get out instead of getting more stuck. These are the main things you need to do to survive being stranded in your vehicle during a storm. Your top priorities to stay alive are to stay safe, warm, dry, and hydrated. You don't know how long you will be stranded and you need to be ready for anything. As always, use your best judgment and common sense to stay alive. All right, so there there was one uh, comment here uh, where, um, uh, let's see, Night Howl 265, or Night, yeah, Night Night Owl, sorry, 265, uh, is, is commenting is on the carbon monoxide aspect of it. And, uh, you know, that's a pretty, pretty serious thing. And uh, I think he's suggesting that if you can get out, uh, go check to see how clogged your uh, exhaust pipe really is. You you know if you can uh, you know clear the the exhaust pipe or clear around it so that um, it's not clogged that would be best. Uh, it, but you know keep definitely you want to break those windows open and and uh, I think he was suggesting that even cracking the windows might not be enough uh, if if the carbon monoxide buildup is too much. So you got to be careful with that. Um, yeah, definitely, if you can, be careful with that. A couple of things that I just wanted to point out. Um, she does have a link here to your vehicle emergency kit. Uh, and so, she, you know, you can go there and go check it out. You definitely, if you're in the wintertime or you're in a place where you have these winter wintery conditions, you need to make sure that your emergency kit or your vehicle kit uh, does reflect, you know, wintertime, a wintertime kit versus just you know, a, a regular vehicle kit. And so, uh, you know, you might need blankets in there. You might have some food in there. Uh, water, if it's very wintering conditions, I mean, water is going to freeze and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, even a candle. Um, 
I, I have read articles before in the past where they talked about having even a little, uh, kind of like a little sterno stove type thing on, you know, for your car that you can start and you can just kind of warm up. You have a small space in there, uh, your vehicle, you can warm it up. And, uh, you know, if you do run out of gas, you, you know, your car doesn't, uh, won't start anymore or whatever that might be, you can use these, um, uh, this little stove, or like I said, even a candle, you'll be surprised how much heat a couple of candles will put out. Of course, you have to be careful. You need to make sure you're putting it in a place where it's not going to dump over. It's not going to light, you know, anything on fire, those kinds of things. But, uh, you know, I, that's something that you might want to consider as well. And of course, again, you want to crack the windows and make sure that, uh, you know, there's not a big uh, carbon monoxide buildup inside the car. Um, but uh, I, I think those are good things here, uh, good things to uh, to to know and to uh, to practice. I really do even like the um, the the one here. I believe it was uh, number two uh, or number was it number two? Yeah, number two, where uh, you let people know what's going on, right? So you let people know that you're leaving work. Uh, you let people know, hey, I'm stranded. Uh, you know, in whatever situation that might be, because uh, you you never know. I mean, you never know what might happen, and so you just want people to have that, you know, an idea of which way you're going and your travel plans and all those kinds of things. So, uh, good idea there. If you don't have a vehicle vehicle kit, come on over to Living Life in Rural Iowa. I don't think I said that at the very beginning. Of, uh, of the article. The article is from livinglifeinruraliowa.com and uh, Erica blogs over there uh, here at this at this website and uh, you just you know come visit this website and click on if you don't have a vehicle kit click on her link and start to, uh, to think about what you need to put inside of your vehicle kit. I mean, it could be something as simple as an old gym bag that you throw supplies in. It can be, uh, you know, if you have a, a bigger, you know, a trunk space or whatever, uh, you can put it in a, in, a, in a tote or in a box kind of seal it up and, and, and have it there. Uh, just, you know, you, you want to have some supplies with you uh, to it, just in case there was anything that ever went on. Um, that's always just the, the best thing to do. And there are some other links as well that you can come check out uh, over at this website. So the, again, that's livinglifeinruraliowa.com and uh, come check out this article. Like always, I link to uh, I link to all the articles on the, in the show notes. Uh, whether you're getting them, you know, on your your podcast catcher or you're coming to the Prepper website podcast.com episode 201 and getting them there. All right, our next article is from uh, two of my favorite people. Uh, you know who they are, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy over at DoomAndBloom.net, and this one is on influenza on and off the grid. So again, I really was kind of purposeful today when when I was picking my uh, picking the articles. I'm, I think I'm purposeful every single day but really we're in the season we're in wintry weather season and then we in and we're still really early on to it to where you know hey you can create your your kit your vehicle kit and then be prepared and all that kind of stuff and then we're really early into uh the season where the flu uh wants to grab a hold of and and uh you know wreak havoc on people and so this article is entitled Influenza on and off the grid. And so uh, let's go ahead and jump right into this one. 
for the podcast here. Uh, even with modern medical technology, few can, few can avoid the occasional respiratory infection. Viral illnesses like colds and flus are common issues even for those who are in prime physical condition. Human illnesses involve the respiratory tract more commonly than any other organ system. Influenza is particularly contagious as germ-laden droplets are expelled during coughs and sneezes entering the nose, mouth, or eyes of, of, of others. You can expect influenza viruses to hit your part of the country anywhere from late fall to early spring, and most people weather their illness just fine. Some folks, however, especially the very old, very young, and those with chronic medical conditions may not survive. Because of this, influenza-related pneumonia has earned the title the old man's friend because it ends their suffering. The flu may not be life-threatening in normal times, and you might foolishly not take measures to prevent it. Survival scenarios, though, are a different story. 100 years ago, a flu epidemic ran rampant throughout the world, killing 50 to 100 million people. In a survival setting, we'll be thrown back medically at least that far back. Without strict adherence to hand washing and respiratory hygiene, it would be very easy for your entire community to become ill and the physical stress associated with activities of daily survival might lead a weakened respiratory system to allow secondary infections like pneumonia to cause major trouble. At the very least, influenza can affect work efficiency at a time when everyone must be at 100%. If you've had the flu, you know what I mean. Influenzas are usually caused by the influenza type A, the most common, and type B viruses. They are classified according to the proteins that exist on their surface. These are called hemagglutinins, HA, and neuraminidases, NA. There are more and more different HA and NA subtypes discovered every year. The swine flu, for example, is H1N1. The flu this year is thought to be H3N2. Symptoms of, the, of influenza begin anywhere from one to four days after exposure. They include high fever, cough, headache, severe fatigue, severe muscle aches. Colds will resolve themselves over a week or so, but influenzas may last longer. The flu could weaken you enough that secondary bacterial infections will set in. Indeed, these secondary infections are the most probable causes of death related to flu cases. If this happens, you'll notice that you are getting worse, not better, over time despite the usual treatments. These include medications like ibuprofen for muscles, aches, and fevers, decongestants for nasal congestion, expectorants to thin out phlegm, cough suppressants, although they should be used only when there is difficulty breathing or sleeping, and others. As the flu is a viral illness, it's important to know that antibiotics will be ineffective. There are, however, a few antiviral flu medications, such as Tamiflu and Relenza. These drugs will shorten the course of the infection if taken in the first 48 hours after symptoms appear. After the first 48 hours, there's less medicinal effect. Therefore, you might consider asking your doctor in normal times for a Tamiflu prescription at the beginning of every flu season since it might be hard to get an appointment on short notice. For a caregiver with a number of flu patients to treat, taking a half dose daily for five days may decrease your chances of catching it. The CDC recommends the flu vaccine for everyone over six months of age. But it's important to know that the effectiveness of the vaccine may be less in years when the current virus is different from the previous years. 
Therefore, it's important to take measures to prevent the flu and to isolate those who are infected from those that are healthy. Other actions you can take to decrease the chance of getting or spreading the flu are cover your nose and mouth with the tissue when you cough or sneeze, throw the tissue in the trash after you use it. If no tissue is available, cough or sneeze into your upper arm, not your hand. Wash your hands often with soap and water. If soap and water are not available, use an alcohol-based hand rub. Clean and disinfect surfaces and objects like doorknobs that may be contaminated with germs like the flu. Establish an effective survival sick group that will decrease the chances of spread throughout the entire family or group. Use face masks when sick or around others who are, and wait 24 hours after the last episode of fever before exposing yourself to others. The flu may be a bump on the road in your survival journey, but it doesn't have to be the end of the road. We'll talk about natural remedies in the f- near future. All right, so a uh, good article by Dr. Bones over there. I'm looking forward to the, the natural remedies that they're going to be talking about for the flu. Um, I'm wondering if one of them might be elderberry or uh, like I've talked about before, Sambacol. But I'm interested in any uh, herbs and stuff that they will, uh, in any other uh, natural remedies that they'll have to talk about. Okay, so let's talk a little bit just uh, about this here. Um, you know, it is a scary thing when you think about how, uh, if you've ever had the flu or if you ever had any real kind of like sicknesses that have really put you down, uh, what that would mean in a real grid down situation. I mean, that would really suck. Um, not only would you probably not have um, all the, the medicine that you normally would have, but on top of that, you have all the other stress, you have all the other things that are going on. And then if it's a potentially dangerous situation, I mean, you're kind of out of it, right? And so uh, you, when you think about those kinds of things, uh, something like this, the, having the flu and having it run through uh, maybe your family or your group uh, in, in a survival situation is, a, you know, is, is cause for uh, concern and, and cause to know how to handle this so that it doesn't get out of control, right? So um, a couple of things that I, I thought were important. Um, one was this. How, uh, how is your supply of over-the-counter medication? Is it something that you are stocking up on? Is it something that you're rotating out? Even kind of like, you know, we rotate our food out. Are you rotating may- maybe medicine like ibuprofen uh, if you buy it uh, at, you know, in, in big quantities? Uh, are you rotating that out? Are you stocking up? Or do you just have one little bottle that you, that you buy, you know, and then when you run out, you go ahead and stock up on it again? Um, it's just, you know, something to think about if you can. Uh, it might be a good idea to have some of these things. Like uh, Dr. Bones was talking about, ibuprofen, decongestant, um, expectorants, those kinds of things. Um, I think uh, I think those are always, always very, very useful and very good to have. Uh, and then, you like I said, you always, you know, you always open up a new bottle from your stash and then you just replace it. And uh, I think that's good. You know, places like Costco and Sam's, if you have memberships to those, uh, sell big bottles of ibuprofen and, and you know, over-the-counter medications in big, in big quantities, you know, easy to purchase. But uh, a lot of the times you can find deals at, at your drugstore, Walgreens and CVS, if you have that around you. And it's really, uh, you know, you can always get some, some neat, uh, neat deals there uh, if you're really paying attention and, and doing the right thing. Um, there is one thing I was thinking about when um, when he was giving all these uh, you know hey things that you can do uh, you know he talked about the flu virus and 
and uh, that is just uh, uh, the flu shot, and that is just a, a very touchy subject for a lot of people. A lot of people will tell you, no, I'm not, you're not, I'm not going to get it under any circumstance. I'm not putting that stuff in my body. Other people are like, yeah, you should get it. Uh, yeah, there is, there's good reason why you should get it. And so there's just a lot of, uh, you know, uh, different opinions out there. Um, I, I know that I believe Dr. Bones, I don't, I don't want to speak 100% for him, but I, I do believe they are more for go ahead and getting immuni immunizations and uh and vaccines and different things like that um you know uh you think about what things were like before we had those and um and so you just kind of wonder but uh, again that's going to be a touchy touchy subject for a lot of people again i'm not 100 percent sure that is their view i know that they put out an article while it was uh, probably a couple of years ago about why uh there that herd mentality where um, people don't wind up getting sick, and it's because uh, you know it's like, hey, I never got, I never got my vaccines, or my kids never got shots, or whatever, and they're very healthy. Uh, you know, they've never gotten sick. And one of the reasons that the theories behind it is is that you are around a lot of other people who had the vaccines who are not carrying it, and so that's one reason why. And so I probably didn't do that theory justice. But, uh, you know, that, that theory, there is a theory out there that uh, does state that. So uh, the other things is when he was talking about washing your hands and all that kind of stuff. There was a story that I would tell at uh, every year in my class uh, because it was just, uh, and actually I would tell it multiple times because I really wanted to, get, wanted to sink into the kids. Um, you know, when you have elementary kids, they do not like, you know, when they start feeling like they're going to throw up, you know, most of the time an adult, you know, you start feeling, oh man, I'm going to throw up. I feel it. It's coming up. Your mouth starts watering and all that stuff. And you start walking to the restroom or to the, where you know, to the trash can, whatever, you know, wherever you're going to puke. And, and, uh, you, you just know what to do. But the kids, kids don't like that. They just want, they want to live in, in a total, you know, like, uh, yeah, just, they just don't want to do it, man. It's like, no. Uh, and so, uh, they will sit there and they will wait and wait and wait. And at the very last minute, they're trying to possibly get up and whatever, but they're puking all over the place. And, and so it's just the nastiest thing. And so I would always do this little, uh, talk and basically it's like this. So, uh, little Johnny, is not feeling very well and his nose is running and so uh, he wipes his he doesn't wipe his nose with or blow his nose with the tissue he wipes it with his hand and he picks up his pencil and he's doing his work then he puts his pencil down and so uh, without thinking about it one of his friends one of his neighbors picks up his pencil and starts using his pencil not really thinking about little Johnny being sick and that he didn't wipe his nose his nose was running, didn't wipe his nose with the tissue, he wiped it with his hands, and now the germ that, that was in his nose are on his hands, and now they're on the pencil. And now little Sally picked up his pencil, and now Sally has the germs on her hand because she's using Johnny's pencil. And without thinking about it, Sally has a little itch in her eye, and she decides to rub her eye, and not realizing that she's got germs from Johnny's nose on her hands, and she winds up getting these germs in her eye, and it goes through her system, and then she winds up getting sick in a couple of days. 
And so, of course, when you tell this to the kids, they're like, oh, gross and stuff and whatever. Um, but, I mean, it really, it, it would get them to start really thinking about that kind of stuff. And so, uh, you know, the Germex would be used uh, greatly at that time. Uh, and, uh, you know, just during, during uh, winter time and, and where flu uh, mostly would, would hit us. So, anyway... Uh, I always remember that, and so when I was reading all the things that he said, hey, don't don't forget to do this, don't forget to do that, uh, we told the kids to do do that all the time. And even at that, uh, there's still a lot of germs and, and things that go on, but you got to be careful. And when you even when you're going out there to uh, to public places, you're going to the grocery store, you're going to even to a doctor's office, you're going to the mall or wherever you're going out there. You got to be careful and realize that if you're touching something, you could be touching somebody's germs with, who just had the flu, who just walked by you or whatever, uh, who you know, just touched the door in front of you uh, and, and has the flu. So, you know, you got to be careful along those lines uh, and, and make sure that you're taking care of yourself now in today's, you know, world, but also in, um, you know, when we get to a situation, if we ever are, uh, you know, completely off grid or we are in a survival situation, uh, that you got to kick that up even more so. That, so that's why you need to have hygiene supplies. You need to be able to have soap to wash your hands and, and, and all those different kinds of things, hygiene products to be able to, to stay clean and, uh, and make sure that you can handle all of this. He did talk about uh, maybe hitting up your doctor ahead of time. Uh, if your doctor might be a little bit more uh, receptive to giving you a prescription to Tamiflu, if uh, if the um, just because you need to get it in your system before you know 48 hours, if you want it to be effective, um, there's some doctors that will do that. There's some that will not do that. Um, the doctors that will do that, I mean, very very cool of them. The thing is, is that Tamiflu, unless you have a really great insurance. Uh, prescription insurance Tamiflu is very expensive so um, you know you want to make sure that you're you know ready to fork out that money uh, if, if you you know if you need it and maybe if you have you know like a big family maybe you buy one or whatever but uh, it's still uh, depending on your uh, prescription uh, it can be pretty expensive so all right that's over at doomandbloom.net a lot uh, a lot there on influenza and uh, you just you guys keep yourself safe out there uh, this season, not only while you're driving in wintry conditions, but also with uh, the flu and any other kind of viruses and things that are out there. Uh, before I close out, I did say yesterday I was going to look up the antibiotics because we did talk about antibiotics in, in episode 200. And uh, I looked up the Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's uh, survival medicine handbook, and it does not have, um, it, specifically I was looking for um, if, medicines should be taken with food or antibiotics should be taken with food or they shouldn't be taken with food and uh, and so it doesn't have that on there but again like we talked about yesterday you can go to drugs.com and bring up the antibiotics and go ahead and what I would do is I would write them down in I would get Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's survival medicine handbook and turn to the back where they have the section on antibiotics and guys I was I looked at this again because I hadn't looked at it in a little while I looked at it again and just the 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 amount of information that you get 
when you're talking about antibiotics and different things like that and other medicines, I mean, it is top notch. So you really, like I said, if you don't have the book, go get the book. Uh, do yourself, whether you go through my link on the website or whether you go just go straight to Amazon, go get the Survival Medicine Handbook. Make sure you get the most recent edition. Uh, the, the most recent edition came out in 2016. And uh, get that for yourself. I think that would be uh, a great uh, that would be a great gift as well to give out to anybody, even if there weren't preppers. Uh, you know, you can talk about the, all the herbal essential, the herbal medicines, the essential oils that they talk about, the antibiotics that they talk about, and it's just a good first aid. Pass it off as a good first aid manual, and uh, you know, let them take a look at it, and uh, maybe that will spawn some uh, some preparedness inside of them. But anyway, there was a lot of great information. I would go to drugs.com, find out the antibiotics that I'm looking for, and then write that inside of that book so that I would have have that information in the book uh, as well. But uh, man, that's just such a great resource. All right, so again, like I said, that's over at doomandbloom.net. Uh, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Influenza on and off the grid. Hey guys, thanks so much for hanging out with me on episode 201. Hey, uh, there's so many crazy things out there. You want to make sure that you are paying attention to what is happening in this world. And so uh, that's one reason why we do what we do, so that we can uh, be responsible and we can make sure that we are prepping for ourselves and for our family. And so if something happens, if the poop does hit the fan, that we are prepared. And so our family, uh, our kids aren't looking at us like, hey, what are we? what's the next step here? You are already prepped and you are already uh, prepared. So uh, if there's anything that you, uh, any feedback for episode 201, or you'd just like to come and say hi, I'd love for you to come over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and drop me a line in episode 201. Or you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I always love to connect with um, connect with listeners. And of course, you can go over to the Facebook group, the free Facebook group, and connect with me there. Uh, just That's a great group. I'm very proud of what's going on over there. So with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.